Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Mr. Hicks Podcast. We're here getting it in once again, time and time again. We have gone a little back and forth here. We've done some, uh, we've been here on Spotify and been on Apple and then went to YouTube for a while. And because I record on my cell phone and now my cell phone is dead and has been for a few days. That's been a lot of fun, by the way. Um, you go to find out when your cell phone is dead exactly how integrated your cell phone is to your life and that you can't do nothing like everything literally sends a message to your phone to identify that you're not trying to hack an account but if you don't have your phone to verify that then basically you have access to nothing so good for you um but this is about consistency and staying in what i said that i was going to do i'm going to try to do two audio shows a week and two video shows a week because consistency that's why that's going to be the thing that gives me the most success i believe and i'm going to continue to do what i do because i love doing it uh my son did the son and i did a uh recording on the alabama and lsu game on saturday which was an epic game and uh due to technical difficulties we uh, have not been able to upload that episode so we're, i'm going to go audio today and um going to go over what i believe was a pivotal moment in the sec uh, I also believe that this is part of the decline of the Alabama program. Now, I want you to check the receipts on this because I've been recording about college football since before the season even started. And I believe in being accountable, saying things, saying hard things, saying things that might be considered to be controversial, and then hold me accountable. So if I say something that sounds stupid, you know, let me know. But I am so tired of being right about this. So uh, Alabama, I, I was right about Alabama. I was right about Clemson. I was right about LSU. So what I'm about to do is about a 15 to 20 minute victory dance on all the different ways that I'm right. And, you know, for those people who don't know me, this is what I do. And for those people who do know me, you are not surprised. This is what I'm going to be doing. So let me start with the good. Uh, so well, LSU, this is what I believe about Brian Kelly that Brian Kelly was a very intelligent coach, that he had great purpose, great organization, uh, that he was going to surround himself with great people, and that this is the thing that LSU really needed. Brian Kelly took Notre Dame as far as Notre Dame could possibly be taken. Because it had academic constraints, there was only – and also the fact that it's just up in the middle of nowhere. I mean, uh, look, I, I, I love Notre Dame. I think football, college football is better when Notre Dame is good, when Notre Dame is relevant. I think Notre Dame is a little too relevant, that they're a little more considered than they really should be for the amount of, of um, winning level of winning that they have done. I think they're always a little bit overrated in the polls, which allows them to uh, get into position to get into the college football playoff. And I believe they get to pick larger their own schedule, which helps them out a lot. And now that they're attached to the ACC, which is not a great conference anymore, that just kind of helps them out even more. Um. Brian Kelly did everything he could do with Notre Dame. He was limited in the players that he could get. It's cold. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's got a lot of academic constraints. It's a private school. It's a private Catholic school. It's a lot of things that's going to make it difficult for you to get elite athletes. When elite athletes have all the options in the world, why do you pick Notre Dame? And if you're a Notre Dame fan, you're going to give me a lot of reasons that you care about and that you love about your school and you are welcome to that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the things that you're saying. What I'm saying is 
when you compare that to LSU and Alabama and Texas and Clemson, even Clemson, who I think is on a downslide, it's it's not going to hold up to kids who don't remember the Golden Domers, who don't remember the pageantry, who don't remember the play. Notre Dame has not been that kind of good for so long that you're talking about kids that were not alive the last time Notre Dame won a championship. So for those people who are up and down, doing up in arms about your team, it's your team. I totally understand you being rah-rah about your own team. But please don't expect the rest of any of us to buy this stuff. And no, Brian Kelly is proving it. He's taking his intelligence, his purpose, his organization, and he's taking it to a place that does not have academic constraints, that can has an elite recruiting base. He's dead in the middle of the South. He's in a place that produces more NFL talent, not the most four or five-star college players, but produces the most NFL talent than anyone. LSU, with the last two coaches, last three coaches that coached at LSU have won national championships. So you're talking about Nick Saban, who is, of course, Nick Saban. Then you got Les Miles and Ed Orgeron. Les Miles and Ed Orgeron could not get a job holding the yard markers at a college football game right now. They're both of them completely unhirable. Those, that, that's the level of coaching those guys were at, the level of intelligence those men were at, the level of organization those men were at. But the thing is, like, LSU recruits itself. The, the facilities, the pageantry, the, all of those things that uh, are even better than Notre Dame in most cases – uh, and then you're going to bring someone who's got, who's intelligent, who's going to bring great coaches. And LSU recruits itself. I believe it's the same reason why Lincoln Riley goes to USC. USC recruits itself. That kind of structure, that kind of uh, pageantry, that recruiting base, it recruits itself. The second you get a good coach in there, those programs take off and they become really good really fast. But I think what Brian Kelly has done has been phenomenal. He went from losing to Florida State in like week one or week two to beating Alabama in one year. Not even one year. Year's not even over yet. Like, so let's get to the just the game itself, just the balls of going for it for two when he didn't have to. At that time, if you don't know how the over, overtime rules in college football, you know, you, the first time you go, like you start at the 20, you both get an opportunity to get the ball. And then the first time out, you can kick a field goal. Alabama scratched and clawed for every single yard in the overtime. And then LSU proceeds to, with one quarterback scramble, uh, go in and score a touchdown. And I believe uh, Brian Kelly goes, fuck it, let's go for it. LSU was in a position where they were at home. Uh, They had all kinds of fan support. The ups and downs of this there was just of the positives and negatives there was just more to deal with more good than bad i don't think this was something that was decided in the moment i think this is something decided before the game he even said as much i don't know if he said as much because it's hindsight and it sounded really great to say it in hindsight but he had nothing to lose no one thought they were going to win that game nobody thought they were even going to get into overtime so what do you have to lose by going for it and now by doing so not only does do they win the game? Do they beat Alabama? Do they put LSU back on the map? Think about with the recruits that are sitting there on the 50-yard line. If you know how college recruiting goes, you're going to have your best recruits, your top, your number one guys across the board at your best game. There were two games that you possibly could have been at if you were a five-star recruit this weekend. You were either at Tennessee, Georgia, which ended up being a laugher, or you were at this game. What LSU probably did for their recruiting could not be measured 
when you like, if you also consider the majority of the kids who are thinking about going to LSU are also thinking about going to Alabama. So for you to go and go to a environment like LSU, the way you're treated like royalty on those recruiting visits, you're sitting at the 50 yard line. You can't believe they're doing it. The crowd's going crazy. They go for it for two. They get it. The field gets stormed and you get your experience on an official visit going to LSU storming the field as they beat Alabama. What do you think that did for LSU? And they're recruited. They're probably going to sign a good chunk of those kids that went. It's it, it, it's just mind-boggling to me. Like, and by the way, those of you who thought he wasn't going to be a good fit, um, I would like for you to shut all the way up. And I want you to check your receipts on this. Check my receipts on this because I said this at the beginning of the season that Nick Saban was not a good fit for LSU when he came because he was coming from Michigan State. What's he know about SEC recruiting? Before that, he had he had I don't believe he had any SEC recruiting or NEC, SEC SEC coaching experience. He came he was a head coach at Toledo before that. He was a defensive coordinator at Toledo before that. In between there, somewhere somewhere in between there, he was the defensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. None of that has anything to do with the SEC or play calling or SEC recruiting. And yet, he's the greatest football coach, college football coach of all time. Maybe the greatest football coach of all time. Urban Meyer, same thing. Urban Meyer was a wide receivers coach at Notre Dame, got the head coaching job at Bowling Green. Then he gets the head coaching job at Utah and then gets hired at Florida. What's this guy know about SEC football? What's this guy know about SEC recruiting? He doesn't know anything about it. Oh, he just came down there and smacked y'all in the mouth. He was actually the only, I believe him and Nick Saban are the only coaches to win national championships with two different teams. None of them had SEC ties, neither. So winning is winning. Smart is smart. Coaching is coaching. When you win everywhere you've been, I mean, Brian Kelly is the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. And you really didn't think he was going to work because he'd never coached in the SEC and he doesn't know SEC recruiting. How about you sit down somewhere? Sit down somewhere. Because when it comes to elite coaching, it doesn't matter. Now, when you're going to get a so-so coach, when you know you can't really bag a big one, yeah, then it matters. Then you end up with Ed Orgeron. Why? Because, well, dang old, dang old, blah, 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 blah. And because he's an elite recruiter, if you have to fire him, you're all right. Because when you go to get the next guy, you can tell the next guy, listen, we got a, the cupboard is full of four and five star recruits. We just need you to come in here and put it together. So, yeah, if you got a guy that's not a home run, it matters. If you got a guy that's a home run, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't at all. So I'd like for you to go ahead and put that to bed. So um, Jaden Daniels is the quarterback. I think Jaden Daniels, guys like Jaden Daniels are the reason why Brian Kelly left Notre Dame. Because you can't get Jaden Daniels at Notre Dame. You can't. And I've always wondered, like, why can't you get an elite quarterback at Notre Dame anymore? Or Penn State, for that matter. Why? And the main reason I would say is because they, they could get in and they're good enough to start for you. That's not the problem. They know that they're not going to have elite receivers. Because the dude that, that that's that's six foot and six five, or which somewhere between six foot six foot and six five, that runs a four three forty and is agile as hell. Not only could he could he might be able to get into Notre Dame, but he's not interested in going to Notre Dame. He don't have to. I just what do you the domers y'all have to learn to accept this man. 
the things that you are selling are just not, they're not buying. Elite recruiters aren't buying. So if an elite recruit doesn't, elite receivers and tight ends don't want to go to Notre Dame, you might get tight ends. I'll let you leave that. Notre Dame is really good at tight ends and safeties. I'll give you that. Then four of the five-star quarterback doesn't need Notre Dame. And then if he goes someplace in the South where he can get elite recruits, he's going to be that much better of an NFL prospect, which is what most guys want to do. So Brian Kelly couldn't get a Jaden Daniels. Now he's got one. He's got a, a, a mobile quarterback at Notre Dame. He's been trying to do that for years. Now he's got one. Look what happened. He's throwing for close to 200 yards a game and he's rushing for somewhere between 70 and 100 yards a game. What he was able to do in his scrambles, the way he broke down the Alabama defense, which, by the way, has not been great this year, but we're going to get to that in a second. I said very early on in the first quarter, it's like they've got it figured out. They've got it figured out. You can look and see the schematically Alabama was beat. And the thing is, LSU is always going to have talent. I will bet you, even LSU, if, even if they don't recruit at, at an elite level, with the coaching and the schem, and the schematic schematic benefit that you're going to get, an advantage that you're going to get with a Brian Kelly and a Brian Kelly staff, they're going to win championships. I would put it in no no further away than three years. If you gave LSU the talent that's at Texas A&M right now, I bet you they'd win a title. That's just my thought, but that's just what I'm, that's where I'm going. It's my show, and that's what I'm saying. Now, turning the page, let's get into Alabama. Um, I wouldn't said this the beginning of the season. I um, I believe the Nick Saban era, as we know it, is over. As we know it, is the greatest dynasty in college football history. So please do not mistake me in thinking that I believe that Alabama is through like winning, winning through going to SEC title games through like getting to the final four. I just don't think they're going to win championships anymore for two reasons. One, the, the coaching and the recruiting in the SEC has gotten even better as good as it was. It's gotten even better in the era of NIL. It's getting, it's gotten better. Alabama, the state of Alabama, the, the school of Alabama is not going to be able to compete with the money that a Georgia, a Texas A&M, a Texas uh, is uh, even not a Florida or a Florida state because those schools are just cheap. Um, but the school, the schools are not that Alabama is not willing to put out the money. Alabama is one of the poorest states in the country. And Alabama is not a particularly elite recruiting state. Louisiana is. Mississippi's not. You'd be surprised at like the amount of like, I mean, they're good, but nothing like LSU. And I think one day you'll get Nick Saban to admit that the talent you can get at LSU is better than he was able to get at Alabama. You can throw a stick from your backyard and hit elite talent in, at, at LSU. Alabama, you got to work a little harder. So from what I'm seeing, I'm seeing things that are completely uncharacteristic of Nick Saban coached teams. So I'm seeing the big one I'm seeing is penalties. I'm seeing more penalties from this team. When they lost to, to Tennessee, they had over 100 yards in penalties. They had more penalties than I think Alabama's had in like 25 years. I'm seeing mental mistakes and miscues, things that I had not seen in years. Turnovers. They're seeing turnovers in crucial spots that we were not, we're not used to seeing in Alabama. Players are disappearing. 
Like, what happened to Kool-Aid McKentry? What happened to Will Anderson? And this is the next one that I want to get to. Where's the development of all these players? So Alabama has been recruiting at an elite level. That hasn't changed. So give you an example here for the last five years. So in 2021, they were second. In 2020, they were second. In 2019, they were first. In 2018, they were fifth. In 2017, they were first. That's an average of about 2.2. So Alabama is recruited in the top three every year for five years. Where are those guys? Like, no, I'm not saying that there's none of them are still around, but I'm saying Cooley McKentry, not getting it done. Um, uh, what is it like, the, 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 like Trey, uh, Trey, Trey Sanders, uh, running back from IMG? Marcus is probably laughing right now because I literally forget that kid's name every time I get to put, put, try to get it out of my mouth. Kamar Wheaton, that had the number one running back in two class, class two years ago. He transfers to SMU. Ajay Hall transfers to Texas. Jo- uh, uh, Jaleel Billingsley transfers to Texas. Our kid's not buying it anymore. Our kid's like, you know what? I, I don't think I want to do this anymore. With the transfer portal, they're hopping out. So those guys that you were trying to develop and the guys that would have been there right now and giving you that downfield presence that Alabama has become accustomed to having, they're not there anymore. So what's Alabama doing? They're going in the transfer portal. The fact to me that you're having to go in the transfer portal to get starters is a concern. Yes, you're getting them, but that's a concern for me. That says a lot about your development of the players that are in your locker room. Like, I mean, yeah, like the, 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 the Jameer Gibbs, the running back they got from Georgia Tech, he's phenomenal. He's literally their top rusher, and he has more catches than anybody else on their team. Your tailback should not have the most receptions on your team. Where's Jermaine Burton, the transfer wide receiver that they got from Georgia? Where's he at? The wide receiver they got, whose name I can't even remember, uh, from Louisville, who was supposed to be a burner. Haven't seen him. JoJo Earl, what happened to that dude? He was a monster uh, recruit. Where are these dudes at? Will Anderson has disappeared. He was considered to be a top five pick in the NFL draft. He was the, he was the most dominant defensive player. Last year, he should have been invited to the Heisman ceremony, at least. Where's he at? Where are these guys? And then you transfer a bunch of dudes. By the way, how do you feel Eli Ricks? That's got to feel, you got to feel really dumb right now. He transfers from LSU, loses. So he goes to to LSU and uh, they stink. The The coaching staff change. He transfers from and loses to Alabama. Transfers from LSU to Alabama. And then loses to LSU. That sounds like a riddle. That sounds like something I made up. But no, real talk, that's what happened to do. He's not looking too elite right now. We got Toa Toa, transfer from Tennessee. Mm, maybe should have stuck around in Tennessee. Now, I'm not saying like hindsight is 2020, but Tennessee is doing better than Alabama is right now, aren't they? You know, Jermaine Burton, he transfers from Georgia to come to Alabama. Mm. He's not doing so hot, and it looks like Georgia's going to win another national championship. Now, the left tackle that came from Vanderbilt, nobody can really blame him for that. Like, like if you were considered to be a four-star and you were considered and you were going to be like a a, a pretty high consideration uh, as a draft pick at Vanderbilt already, then you might as well go ahead and go to Alabama. Not going to do nothing more at, at at Vandy, that's for sure. So, the amount of starters that are 
playing for Alabama right now that are have come from other teams says to me that they're not developing talent at an elite level anymore. They're getting talent. That talent's not executing anymore. They're not as explosive as they've been on the outside. And that's not hyperbole. You can look at that's just, that's just facts. That is just facts, people. And my uh, final note on Alabama here is that Alabama doesn't have elite coaches anymore. Like, does anybody want Bill O'Brien? I think Bill O'Brien, this whole, oh, Bill O'Brien is this, uh, he's being spoken about for this head coaching job. I don't buy that for a second. I don't buy that for a second. I don't think anybody is really impressed by what's going on offensively at Alabama, except the fact that, you know, um, that Bryce Young is still that dude. Like, Bryce Young is amazing. But outside of that, and the Jameer Gibbs is amazing. He's a transfer. But wh- where is your schematic advantage in Alabama? Where, where is the, the, the explosive plays? Where is the punishing run game that we used to see? It's not there. Defensively, just get all the way out. Pete Golden has been there for five years, and nobody can figure out why. Do you hear anybody going like, like with all the jobs that are open up right now, do you hear anybody going like, oh, Pete Golden might be a great a, a great addition. He should get the Nebraska job. He should get the – they're not even talking about Pete Golden for like Colorado. Like no one, nobody wants Pete Golden. It has been shocking to me that he's still there. You can bet – you best believe that Bill, that Bill O'Brien and Pete Golden are both absolutely 100% out the door. I don't think that – that uh, Nick Saban is going to retire this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did. I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to go out on a note like this. Now, mind you, a two-loss season, they're probably going to go to a good bowl game and they're probably going to win it, would be considered to be a decline for a Nick Saban team. And that just goes to show you how much greatness he had. Like, I believe that we really should just, like, be glad we were able to bear witness to the most dominant, the most dominant uh, dynasty of all time. Considering the amount of great players that he's put in the league, considering how many coaches have come off of that Alabama staff and are now head coaches, how many people have, have like, the, the Nick Saban coaching tree, it's not even a tree, it's a forest. I mean, think about his wide receiver. One of his wide receivers coaches now coaches Maryland. His 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 former offensive line coach now coaches Miami. His former defensive coordinator is now dominating at Georgia. There's just if you look around, it's truly amazing the amount of talent that was on that staff. The coach Huff, the running back coach, he's the head coach at Marshall. His influence on the game has been unlike anything. Ever been seen, maybe in sports in general. But all good things come to an end. It gives me no joy to say it. I mean, I'll put it this way. It gave me no joy to say it when I said it in August. It 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 feels kind of good to say it now because um, you know, I'm right about this. Um, but it's over. And I enjoyed it. And I'm going to look at it for what it was that it was a fantastic run. It showed us what was really capable uh, and it has really blown the top off of college football and its popularity. You need a, you know, you need an evil empire 
You need somebody. You need a Jordan. You need a Kobe. You need a LeBron. In order to have a polarizing sport, there has to be an an 800-pound gorilla in the room. Somebody to love and somebody to hate. And that's been Alabama for a really long time. I appreciate that. You know, I kind of like to say I'm sad to see it end, but I'm also really glad to see what it has produced for the sport of college, what he's produced for the sport of college football. So I'm not sad that it's over, but it's over. And I appreciate everything that Alabama has done for the sport of college football. That's my time. Take it easy.